Ready? You remind me of a watermelon story. <laughs> Oklahoma, they grow really big watermelons. Mm -hmm. So they had them they just have open a big stand. They put as many as they can on the truck, but then they open a big stand and sell them for home, you know. So this guy took his biggest watermelon out of the patch, put it on the counter at his little stand where he sells watermelons. And uh, people come by and buy watermelons and stuff and look down over the counter and there's a little black kid who's looking at this watermelon. He said, you like watermelon? I said, yes, I love watermelon. He said, that's a big one of them. He said, yeah. He said, that's a big one of them. He said, I'll tell you what, if you could eat the whole thing, I'll give it to you. <laughs> The <laughs> boy looked at it for a while. Said, it's a deal. Uh, I'll, I'll give you the whole watermelon if you can eat it. And for a little while, jumped up and ran away. Guys, yeah. whatever, you know. Still a few more watermelons. About an hour later, there's a little black kid looking up at this watermelon. He said, oh, you still interested in that watermelon? He said, yes, sir. He said, I'll give you the whole thing. I'll give it to you for free if you can eat the whole thing. He said, I'd like to, sir. He said, if you can't, you're going to have to pay for it. Well, I'd like to try, sir. He said, so I sat down at a little table and ate the whole thing. That just reminded me. <laughs> and and uh, he walks up there and says, Thank you very much, sir. That was a great watermelon. And the guy says, I can't believe you ate that whole thing. He goes, I, I really like watermelon, sir. <laughs> he said, well, deal the deal. He said, but tell me, where'd you run off to? He said, well, sir. He said, I wasn't sure I could eat a watermelon that big. I had one at home about that big. <laughs> and I figured if I could eat that <laughs> So you gotta have courage in life. That's so funny. Well, I had one at home. Okay. So, first John chapter two. Has been born of him. Why is he white or not? 
right, you look up uh, John 3 for later then. We'll give you a good uh, opportunity. So what is this anointing that you have here? You don't need a teacher like me. Because that anointing teaches you. Have you checked your anointing lately? Where do you keep your anointing? What is this anointing? It guides you in the truth. How do you receive it? That's a good question. Hmm? Good questions? Time by yourself to think and pray. Okay. It sure helps to appropriate it that way, doesn't it? Be still and let the Spirit come. Does it come to everybody? I think it's yes and no. Oh, that's yes. a good answer. <laughs> <laughs> that's clear. But you're right. Go ahead. I think it. I think that it comes to different people differently. All right. Because I mean, there's there's the, the holy rollers, you know, super Pentecostal charismatic people. That I think some of it's for real. Okay. And some people go all their life and never experience that sort of thing. All right. Does it come to non Christians? Sometimes. Does sometimes? It says rest on them, but not, not in, in them. them. That's a good question for yes and no too, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> How does a non-Christian become a Christian? Exactly. They have to believe. They have to believe. And why would they want to believe? Because the Spirit has moved them. All right. Very few people will come to the Lord unless the Spirit, you know, pokes them a little bit you know, and wakes them up and, and uh, sensitizes them to God's word and to the truth but does that save you? no nope, it's your choice hmm? it's your choice you have, to, you have to make a choice don't you? you don't get saved by osmosis Good. How, yeah. When you said the Holy Spirit, I just thought when you get baptized. All right. When you get baptized, is that when you get the Holy Spirit? No, but that's when they. Well, I mean, Unless you might. Know. I don't know. But. <laughs> no, no, I'm not. This is a good yeah. question. When Jesus was baptized, the Holy Spirit came upon him. Is there a baptism of the Spirit? There is. I shook my head. He spoke. I can hear you shake your head. He shook his head. Here's There is a baptism of the Holy Spirit. I think the Bible teaches that. Is it separate from receiving the Holy Spirit when you're saved? 
slippery, slippery here. <laughs> Say that again. Is the baptism of the Spirit different than being born of the Spirit? song we sing Holy Spirit you're welcome here was the Holy Spirit everywhere or does he only come and go do you have him when you're saved and then not have him and he comes back sometimes and he comes back more sometimes and less sometimes good oh, man. I mean, you like the Avon lady because <laughs> <laughs> I mean, like you say these are real questions that they are real questions that, otherwise what's the point of that song Right. And I don't think it's wrong. I think that's not right. So what does it mean? What are you thinking? You don't got you confused. A little bit. That is something you don't you think about sometimes. You're like, just don't know. All right. (laughs) So is it have to do with like your maturity in Christ? (laughs) well so ron i you know uh, i think a great example to kind of understand you know i'm gonna say a bunch of words here you could say to understand who or what or when or how the holy spirit is or was or etc you know I think looking at Acts and the first appearance of it to people other than Jesus might be a good example of of what we could could expect or should expect and where would that be Acts like two two or three church I think it two or three yeah I think that's the first appearance all right and how did it appear how did people know that it had appeared they see it? Mm-hmm. A sound. A sound? What sound did it make? A rushing wind. A rushing wind? Okay. Can you hear a rushing wind? Sometimes standing next to Saul, yes. scrambled all the languages so man would we talked about antichrist we talked about man being his own god building his own utopia and god messed around with their languages and frustrated their effort to be like god and now he's going to (coughs) restore their ability to speak to each other to have fellowship together and to understand so that's good. Good example of the Holy Spirit and it coming. Now, who did it come to? Peter? All the believers. All the believers. Did it stay with them? Yeah. 
This is John's question. Does it come and go? Well, I think it stays. I mean, I, I, I think you are just more aware of it or less aware. All right. Or you shut it out or quench, as it says. But I think that the Spirit is, is there speaking. All right. We call it indwelling us. Uh, it says in the Old Testament, you can carry this tent around in the wilderness and they're going to set up an inner part of this tent that only the priests are allowed in and God's presence is going to come down and going to dwell in there. And then Solomon built his temple and God came and his presence came into the temple. And when it did, everybody who was in the temple had to come out. But in the New Testament, the Holy Spirit comes and stays in believers. And that's what we want to talk about tonight. This is the anointing that Christ, true Christians have. And this is one of the tests that John puts forth for his children that he's writing to, the believers that are under his care, probably mostly at the church of Ephesus and some of the other churches that were mentioned in Revelation. By the time of John writing this book, he's about the last apostle alive. And so churches that Paul started, churches that Peter started, if anybody original is still tending them, it's probably John at this time. So... We spent a whole session last week talking about Jesus Christ, who he is and who he isn't. And I think it's important for us to get a hold of the Holy Spirit, what it is and what it isn't. Now, I don't know you guys very well, but uh, who volunteered to do some artwork for me? Who's got artistic touch? put up her book. I don't think she's going to volunteer. <laughs> John keeps explaining things by going back to what phrase? Little children. Little children. There's another phrase he uses often too. In the beginning. In the beginning. <clears throat> so let's see what we can learn about the spirit in the beginning. Let's see, you're going to do John 3 later, right? Yeah. Alright, so who's going to do Genesis 1, 26 for me? Read a few verses. Go ahead. Genesis 6. Genesis 1. 1. And I think it starts about verse 26. <clears throat> Where do you want me to read to? Just start reading until you get to where I, I don't know what verse it is I'm looking for, but when you get there, I'll say, oh, 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 that's it. <laughs> then God said, let us make man in our, in our image. Who's our? Paul's spirit. Paul's encompassed by the Holy Spirit. All right. <clears throat> I'm trying God because there ain't enough of you. Go ahead. I'm sorry. According to our likeness. <clears throat> Let them, let, him, let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the air, and over the cattle, over all the earth, and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. So God created man in his own image, in the image of God. He created him male and female. He created them. Then God blessed them, and God said to them, Be fruitful and multiply, fill the earth, and subdue it. Have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the air, and over every living thing that moves on the earth. And God said, See, I have given you every herb that yields seed, which is on the face of all the earth, and every tree whose fruit yields seed. To you it shall be, be for food. Also to every beast of the earth, to every bird of the air, and everything that creeps on the earth, in which there is life. I have given every green herb for food, and 
It was so. Then God saw everything he had made, and indeed it was very good. So the evening and the morning were the sixth day. All right. And now let's go to... Uh, Chapter 2, let's see here, I can't remember, okay, chapter 2, verse 7, you want to start reading there for a little while? God formed men of the dust of the ground and breathed into the nostrils of death of life, and men became a living being. Now jump to verse 18. And the Lord said, and the Lord God said, It is not good that man shall be alone. I will make him a helper cap- capable to him. Out of the ground the Lord God formed every beast of the field and every bird of the air, and brought them to Adam to see what he would call them. And whatever Adam called each living creature, that's what that was its name. So Adam gave names to all the cattle, to the birds of the air, to every beast of the field. For for Adam there was not not found a helper capable to him. And the Lord God caused a deep sleep to fall on Adam, and he slept. And he took one of his ribs and closed up the flesh. In its place, then the rib which the Lord God had taken from him, he made into a woman and brought her to the man. And Adam said, This is now bone of my bone and flesh of my flesh. She shall be called woman because she was taken out of man. That's good. Thank you. All right. So here's Adam. God makes him out of the dust of the earth. And he breathed into him the breath of life. And he becomes a living soul. He's a nice mud monster out of the dust of the earth, but he's not alive until God breathes in him the breath of life. We call that the Greek word there. This is in Hebrew, but the Greek word is pneuma. Who knows what a pneumatic tool is? You guys used them all day today. What is a pneumatic tool? It's an air-powered tool. Air-powered tool, all right? So God breathes into Adam the breath of life. Now, Adam has a spirit, right? Can you see it? Did you see it go in there? No. You didn't? You looked and you saw it, didn't you? Yeah. Did you see it come out? <laughs> Did you see it? No. Some help you are. <laughs> you really hire these guys? <laughs> so he breathed into Adam the breath of life. Adam has a spirit. Adam is alive. Okay? In the beginning. Now Adam needs a face. You can take a couple colors. All colors. You gotta give Adam a face. And he said it's not good for Adam to be alone. All the other animals, you know. There's a male mallard duck and a female mallard duck, and there's a male duck and a female duck, and there's a male ant and a female ant, and there's Adam and uh, <coughs> nothing to go with Adam, all right? So, what does he do? Makes him a helper and make her out of the dust of the earth? No. Nope. Nope. Made him out of his rib. 
Made her out of Adam? Only <laughs> All right. Do you think he breathed into her the breath of life? Oh, yes. I should hope so. She's going to make her pink. Okay. This Grease character. Dango. Oh, blue eyes. How's she doing? Um, Is she doing a respectable job or not? It's a, it's a blue eyed That's not quite so how far. I pictured Adam, but maybe. So <laughs> <laughs> you can do E. So Adam and Eve live in this garden. They have the breath of life from God. They have God's spirit in them. And they are alive. And we talked about this a little bit. It was kind of tough last week. They are alive physically. And they are alive spiritually because they are not only in the image of God. God has given them his spirit. And they get to do whatever they want in the garden, eat whatever they want. And if we keep reading in Genesis, we find out that God comes and walks in the garden. And walks with them and talks with them. And they just get to see God every day. I mean, not read about him, not... not Believe in him by faith like we do, not have confused questions and answers like we do. They just know God, and they're friends with God, and they interact with God in the beginning. And then what happens? Are you done? Done. Some people read their Bible and they don't know what Adam looked like. (laughs) (laughs) But you know what he read. That's what's wrong. I can't use blood. I can't use red. What in the world? Don't look at me. (laughs) I'm afraid to see Eve here, but. comes along and says, I know how you can be happier. Who's that? Satan. Satan. Are you ready? Oh, wonderful. <laughs> what a knockout. <laughs> I guess, man. Let me see that. You like that? I get that. <laughs> he did. Adam did just fine, didn't he? All right. <laughs> I don't want to put them too close together here, but. Yeah, that's too close. Do you want to do this when you see her? Huh? Huh? <laughs> <laughs> I'm kind of deaf, so it makes things really funny that way. All right. And, and, and Satan comes along and says, you could do better than this. You just eat of this one tree. We already talked about that, didn't we? And Eve says, well, we're not allowed to eat of that tree. Actually, we're not allowed to touch it, which was kind of uh, stretching it because God didn't limit it that much. But she ate of it. And, and God said, what? In the day you eat of this tree, what will happen? You will surely, you will surely die. Did they die? Yeah. Yep. They did? Then how was there ever any people after that? Like spirit. 
spiritually? Huh? Spiritually? No. It's just how <laughs> They died. Like they died because they will die. Like, like there's not eternal life after that point. Are you sure? Satan said, "Oh, you won't surely die." And she ate the fruit. But they did die eventually. How long? <laughs> Nine hundred years. Hmm. Nine hundred years. Something. Yeah. Six. I don't know about Adam and Eve were at least six or seven hundred. Some of their children were nine hundred plus. It was, how old were they when they were born? How old were they when they were born? <laughs> <laughs> what? That is a good question. Well, we're find they were old enough to be fruitful and multiply. Yeah, so they were probably like 900 years old. So they're probably... 300 years? They're probably in their early 200s. <laughs> yeah. That's their teenage. But when they're created, there's no age. Are they? Is there enough about them? So they're not going to mm-hmm. get old. No. Mm-hmm. Ask her how old she is. Mm-hmm. It's not polite to ask a woman how old she is. But whatever age they are, they're perfect. And sure enough, she eats the fruit of the tree. And now she's wise like God, and she gives some to Adam, and he eats it. Now he's wise like God, and they're not dead. But Eve, she looks at Adam, and she says, what is that? I never saw that before. Well, it's like that, like that. Now the clock has started. Now we are getting old. Now we are moving towards physical death. They will not live forever with God. They will die physically. They still have a spirit. Okay? When that spirit leaves, like if I poke a pin in here and the spirit leaves, end of Eve, all right? But they don't have God's Holy Spirit. They're spiritually dead. They're not perfect anymore. They're not physically dead, but they're spiritually dead. Are we getting somewhere? Now, don't feel bad if you don't understand this because one of the smartest men that ever lived had a problem with this. First John, or John 3, not First John, regular John 3. What verse? 1? Yeah, I should start right there at verse 1, I think. Yeah. Yeah, there was a man of the Pharisees yep. named That's where we want to be. Nicodemus. The ruler of the Jews, the man came to Jesus at night and said to him, Rabbi, we know that you are the teacher come from God, from, for no one can do these signs that you are that you do unless God is with him. Jesus answered him, Truly, true, I say, I say to you, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Nicodemus said to him, How can a man be born when he is old? He can enter the second time into his mother's room and be born? Jesus answered, Truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born of water and the Spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God, that which is born of the flesh is flesh, and that which is born of the Spirit is spirit. Do not marvel that I said to you. You must be born again. The wind blows where it wishes. All right, this is the pneuma. Jesus is trying to explain to Nicodemus the pneuma, the wind. Go ahead. And you hear it sound, it sound, but you do not know where it comes from or where it goes. So it is with everyone who is born of the Spirit. Nicodemus said to him, How can these things be? Jesus answered him, Are you the teacher of Israel? And yet you do not understand these things. Truly, truly, I say to you, we speak of what we know, we bear 
witness to what we have seen, but you do not receive our testimonies. If you have told you, if I have told you earthly things, you would not, and you do not believe. How can you, how can you believe if I tell you heavenly things? No one has ascended into heaven except ascended. Ascended. Ascended into heaven, except who descended from heaven, the Son of Man. And as Moses lifted up the serpent uh, in the wilderness, so must the Son of Man be lifted up, that whoever believes in him may have eternal life. Keep, Keep going. going. Keep going. you got to get to John 3.16. To God's little world, he gave his only begotten Son, who believes in him will not perish but have eternal life. All right. <laughs> Who is Nicodemus? Pharisee. Hmm? Pharisee. Pharisee. He's a ruler of the Jews. He's important. He's the master pastor there in Jerusalem or wherever he's in. Wherever he is. But he doesn't understand the spirit. He knows his Old Testament a lot better than we do. But he doesn't understand the Spirit. When he says, what, you want me to go back in my mother's womb and be born again? Is he being sarcastic? Maybe. Maybe. Maybe not. Is he being sarcastic or is he just trying to throw it out there to understand better? I think so. Uh Look how much we threw around here for 15 minutes. And we're supposed to already know what the spirit is. It's it's confusing. It's tough. Now, not in the Bible, but a very reputable historian named Josephus claims that he's related to Nicodemus and that Nicodemus is one of the three wealthiest men in Jerusalem. And that's not Bible, that's just history. But as you follow Nicodemus through Scripture, you'll find that that's that's important. Now, Nicodemus is in the same predicament. We got to make Nicodemus here. I do believe he was rich, so I made him go. He's alive physically, okay? He has the breath of life. He has a spirit. But it's not necessarily God's spirit. Where's your pens? We have them to Stuart's. Go ahead, Stuart. Nicodemus. He needs to look like a Pharisee, okay? <laughs> you know what they all look like, sir. Yeah, I know exactly. I got and don't be like. Well, so Adam and Eve get kicked out of the garden, right? Because they ate of the tree, and their fellowship with God is broken. He won't come and walk with them. He goes one more time and makes them some clothes, and they have a little discussion about sin, right? How are they going to get back to their fellowship with God? Well, they sacrificed offerings, didn't they? All right. We talked about that. Cain and Abel, right? Mm -hmm. Who sacrificed what? In Cain and Abel? Right. Um. You can help him. Abel, Don't hang him out Abel to dry. Did, like the fruits and stuff like that, like. Right. And then Abel, I think, did like animals or something. Mm-hmm. First born yeah. of yeah. his flock. Yeah. Yeah. All right. So, what did God tell him when he kicked him out of the garden? He put a curse on him. What was the curse? That it's gonna well. 
weeds are gonna grow. All right, now you're gonna hold weeds out and you can't just pick peaches and lay under the tree until you fall asleep, all right? Yeah. Weeds are gonna grow, what else is gonna happen? The men will have to um, work. work the ground in order to bear food, and then the women are gonna have a um, childbirth will be hard for them. All right, it's gonna hurt to be fruitful and multiply. Didn't hurt before. That's another whole discussion with anyone who's born before the fall, and we don't think so, and all that. But women are going to have pain in childbirth, and men are going to sweat, and they're going to have to fight with the earth to get food out of it. So Cain comes and says, Look, God, I beat the curse. Look what I grew in spite of your curse. <laughs> Quite the humble sacrifice, wasn't it? And Abel comes and says, I, I can't beat the curse, Lord. Wages of sin is death, and something's going to have to die. It'll have to be me or a critter. Right? So here comes Cain with his sacrifice, and he's going to get back to God with a basket of vegetables. <laughs> but it didn't get in there, did it? No. Eve, she made him brownies. She made God brownies. That ought to do it. That ought to get you back into paradise, shouldn't it? <laughs> Adam's going to work really hard. He's going to sweat. God will be proud of him. Uh, didn't work. Anything they tried, it didn't reach God, did it? He didn't restore paradise, did it? And ever since Adam and Eve, man's been trying to do something to restore paradise. In our society today, they're saying... Let's bring in communism and we'll make a man-made utopia and we'll get back to paradise. Didn't happen in Russia. Didn't happen in Germany. Didn't not happen in, in Korea. Didn't happen in Poland, Czechoslovakia, or anywhere else, Cuba. But we're going to make it happen. And so all down through history, hey, that looks good, hey. You bet. All through history, man's trying to get back to his fellowship with God by doing things. The people at the Tower of Babel built a building all the way up there. Did that work? No. So here we are, uh, I'm going to say 4,000 years after Adam-ish. And here's Nicodemus, and he studies his Bible every day, and he says prayers every day, and he goes to the temple every day, and he does all those things that should get him back to God. He keeps the law. He keeps the Ten Commandments. He puts money in the treasury. He helps widows. He prays. Oh, he studies. Oh, he teaches. He does everything a good holy man should do. But he doesn't get to God. He has spent a lifetime trying to work his way to God under the law. And he knows he hasn't got to God. Has he? Well, he needs to see you. Hmm? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, put some in there. <laughs> <laughs> so he comes to Jesus and he says how do I get to God and Jesus says you've got to be born again you got to be born of the spirit and he says what is the spirit and Jesus tells him just what I'm telling you you can't see it it has power this pneuma you ever pneuma a nail through your finger no no I don't want to 
Okay. When you do, you're going to find out the Numa has power. And you're going to find out that the curse and pain for working is still in effect. All right? Who was telling me to put his table through the thing? No Numa. It's just pow. <laughs> but with Numa, you can really do it. My daughter did it. Pow. So the Holy Spirit has power, but you can't see it. And you can't get a hold of it. It blows where it will. And Nicodemus, he's just shaking his head. But Jesus takes him all the way back to the beginning. The snake, remember the serpent? The serpent has reappeared in the wilderness with Moses, remember? The people rebelled against God. They were trying to get back to God. God was trying to get to them. Built this tabernacle, came down, lived in there. They still couldn't restore their relationship with God. And they sinned, and he sent poison snakes out there. And poison snakes bit them. And they were dying by the tens of thousands. And God told Moses, said, you take a, have one of the guys melt some brass and cast. You can, you know, all you got, you ever do any sand casting? You get nice sand that's packed like on the beach or something, or out in the desert, there's nice sand. And you scoop it out. And you scoop it out like a snake and you can make little marks in there and everything. And then you, it takes a lot of heat, but you pour molten brass in there. And then you, when it cools off, you dust off the sand and you got you a snake, a brass snake. He said, put it on a pole. That's the symbol we have for medicine. If you go to your doctor's office, there's a pole snake on it. That emblem has survived all these centuries. And he said, you just lift that up in the wilderness and the people, the people that have faith and who obey and look at it They'll be healed from the snake bite. And the people who don't, carry them and bury them because they're going to die. Okay? And Nicodemus knows this story, but it doesn't make any sense to him. So Jesus said, well, good luck. There's a Bible story for you. Keep it under your hat. Not very long later, Nicodemus goes to see Jesus again, but not this not by night this time. He goes by day and Jesus is on the cross. And he's trying to get air. And he's gotta pull himself up on the nails to get breath. Or to let breath out so he can get some more. And Nicodemus watches Jesus die. And Nicodemus is just standing there wondering what all this is about. This Jesus guy claims to be God. Nicodemus doesn't think he's God. He claims to be Messiah. Nicodemus has been waiting all his life for Messiah. He doesn't really think Jesus is Messiah. So he's not doing anything to get to heaven today. He's just standing there watching Jesus die. And guess what happens? The wind blows where it will. And it blew through Nicodemus. Oh, he said, now I understand the serpent on the pole. This is Messiah. He's dying for my sins. And all I need to do is like the people in the wilderness look and live. And at that moment, Nicodemus was born of the Spirit. And it changed his whole life. And he knew he had the Spirit. He knew he was born again. He knew because his whole spirit 
the, the, everything that made him tick and that made him Nicodemus changed. And instead of yelling, crucify him like he had over, you know, maybe in the middle of the night, he said, you know, I'm going to go to Pilate and ask for Jesus' body. That's a changed man. And he knew that when he did that, they were going to take Jesus off the cross before sundown because it was the Sabbath, double Sabbath. And if Nicodemus dared to go identify with Jesus, then when the double Sabbath was over, Nicodemus would probably be on the same cross. And he knew that. He knew that everything he had done in his life hadn't gotten him to God. But he was born of the Spirit and he understood what Jesus had been telling him. And he knew he was changed. He knew he had a different spirit. He knew he was spiritually alive. And for the first time in his life, he knew he was going to go and bury Jesus, come what may. He knew it would probably cost him his life, but he didn't care anymore because he knew if he died on the cross a couple days from now, for the first time in his life, he would go and be with Jesus. Everything inside Nicodemus that had been trying to get to God and always wound up going south was changed. And now when he knew his works were no good, he was born of the Spirit. And when you accept Jesus as the payment for your sins, you will be born of the Spirit. And everything inside you, the next two chapters in John, he's going to describe how your whole spiritual DNA is changed. Now, you're not going to be perfect, okay? But when you become a Christian, you all don't understand what default means. You set your computer to do something. If you don't set it, then it sets itself and it default to go to this window or to that program or this app or whatever. You understand that? If you tell it to do something else, it'll do something else. And we all default to sin. We might do good stuff a lot of the time. But when no one's around and there's no apparent consequences, we default to sin, don't we? When the Holy Spirit comes into a person, you accept Jesus on that cross as the payment for your sins, and you become spiritually alive. You default to higher things. Sometimes you will fall, but that's no longer your default mode. Your default mode is to love people instead of hate people. Your default mode is to help people rather than compete with people. Your whole default setting in your spirit gets reset by God. Now, like she said, you can quench the spirit. If I had my pelican, I could pop that balloon, you know. But when you are born of the Spirit, you have the Spirit, and it doesn't come and go. You might quit listening to it, so it's not effective in your life, but 
doesn't just show up on Wednesday and it's gone on Friday and whatever. It resets your spirit. So let's go ahead and pray. And uh, Lord, it is difficult to understand your spirit. But for those of us who have experienced it, it is as real as anything else that's tangible in our lives. And I just pray that we all will look to you as the solution for our sin, as our Savior, that your Holy Spirit will work in our lives, that we'll open up our hearts to receive your Holy Spirit, be born again, that you'll give us eternal life, that you'll give us victory over the power of sin in this life, and victory over the presence of sin when we go to be with you. Thank you for every single person here. They all matter to you. Your spirit cares for and will woo and will visit each one of them. And I just pray that we'll all respond in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. I don't know how to get that down. <laughs> but in a few days it'll come down. Anybody else? Where did Nick go? You got him? I'm not getting my foot. You want to go get Nick down? Jump up there. Yeah, I like that one.
Yeah, 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 yeah. 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 Mm -hmm. yeah. Uh, one string down on that finger. Yep. Gosh. <laughs> and then this one right here yep. is like this. And then uh, one this. string down on your pointer. Yeah. yeah. Song. 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 Song.